2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'd find that in your Bible. And we're going to read a few verses of Scripture. And then we'll have prayer together and get right into the lesson. And I'd invite you to stand with us for the reading of the Scripture tonight. We're going to begin in verse 17. A great verse of Scripture that you might want to mark or underline in your Bible. Perhaps you've already memorized it. Some of these verses are just good places to know where they are so you can go to them. But 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Obviously, that's talking about the change that happens in a person's life when they're saved. They become spiritually a new person. Their hair is still the same color. They don't put on any weight or lose any. None of that changes, but inside they become a new person. And uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's the beginning of a brand new walk and journey. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So verse 17 tells us this is what it means to be saved. Verse 18 tells us that God has reconciled us to himself. Reconcile means you have two entities that are antagonistic or they're enemies and they're brought together and they're, they've been reconciled. And God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's reconciled us. But he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile, help to reconcile others. Verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He was, God through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, was reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. In other words, he would, he would, in essence, remove the guilt of their trespasses and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him talking about Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin, but he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's a wonderful passage of scripture, isn't it? God made his son who has no sin to be sin for us that we who have no righteousness could have his righteousness. That's an amazing thing. And uh, so we're going to talk about this passage of Scripture, in particular the thought, we are ambassadors. We find those words in our text, and we're going to talk about that. Verse 20, we are ambassadors. Our Father, we thank you tonight again for the privilege of being here. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouraging singing, the encouraging testimonies. Thank you for our guests tonight. We pray that you'd bless as we study your word. Help us, O God, to... Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to grow in grace. Help us, Lord, to, 
to experience the reality that we are ambassadors for Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we think about this passage tonight, um, I want to spend a good part of our time tonight just reinforcing this in our mind, who really we are as ambassadors. Now, when the text says here in verse 20, we are ambassadors, you know, who is he talking about? The pronoun we is critical. We are ambassadors, and who is he referring to? And we find throughout this, uh, a big part of this chapter, the fifth chapter, these pronouns, us and we. Let's just quickly look at a few examples. For instance, in verse 6 of the same text, it says, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Now, obviously, those pronouns we are talking about all believers. It's not just the apostles. It's not just uh, Paul and Timothy who was writing, sending this epistle. It was, it was any believer. All of us have these promises. All of us, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Look at a few other examples. Look in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Verse 11, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. These are all pronouns referring to uh, believers, really. And you could, you could follow this throughout this passage. And so when it says we are ambassadors, it's not talking about just the apostles are ambassadors. It's talking about all Christians. All Christian, all of us, in verse 17, are new creatures. Once we receive Christ, all of us are new creatures. We've been changed. All of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us are to walk by faith and not by sight. All of us who have been reconciled are to be ambassadors. Now, having said that, we, we who is speaking about, we as Christians, need to take this... This take ownership of the fact that we are ambassadors. Now you may say, well, I don't even know what an ambassador is. Well, just first know if you're saved, you are one. And, and then we're going to talk about what is, what is an ambassador. An ambassador basically is a representative. It's a representative. Uh, in, in the political arena, in the diplomatic world, uh, an ambassador is a representative of one country who represents his country or leader to another country. He's a, he's a citizen of one country. If you were to go to the embassy, for instance, in Washington, D.C., there are ambassadors there from countries around the world. They're not citizens of the United States. They are citizens of their home country, but they're representing Spain, as it might be, or they're representing their country, whatever that country might be here. He's a, he's a diplomat. He's a diplomat that's sent to a country. Now, we're talking about what an ambassador is. A diplomat who's been sent to a country as an official representative of his foreign country or his home country. An ambassador does not reside in the country that he's representing. He is an, he's not a, he, so he reside, resides in a foreign country, and he's not a citizen of the country that he lives in. You say, why are we then ambassadors? Because, because we are representing 
the kingdom of God and our King, Jesus Christ, to this country. And whether, whether you realize this or not, once you get saved, your citizenship is in heaven. This world is not our home. We're just passing through this world. We're in this world, but not of this world. So what are we? We're ambassadors. You and I are ambassadors. We, we, our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to another king and to another kingdom, but we're here representing him. We are his representatives, and we represent our king. And we represent his kingdom in this world. Now, this has everything to do with witnessing, with preaching the gospel in our neighborhoods, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our to family members. And why is that so? Because look, let's just look at a few other verses that we skipped over. Look in verse 15, it says, and talking about Christ, and that he died for all. He died for all. Isn't that good to know? He didn't die for just a few. He didn't just die for the elect. He died for all. And if you're, you're a human being, you're on the planet Earth, you, he died for you. He died for all. And verse 15 that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Young person, think about what those words are saying. He died for us, that even though we're living, we should not live for ourselves. But we should live for the one who died for us and rose again. We live for him. Verse 18, it says... And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. He reconciled us to himself and therefore we're to live for him. Verse 19 again, God was in Christ. Jesus Christ was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. God was in Christ, verse 19, reconciling the world to himself. The only way... That this world could be brought to God, this world that's separated from God by our sin, the only way we could be reconciled to God is if God Himself would become flesh, come to this earth, die on the cross for our sins, that this world could be reconciled to God. In verse 19, then it talks about how not imputing their trespasses unto them. Trespasses, another word for sin. All of us have this, you know. Lifetime of sin against us, trespasses, trespassing God's law. But, but when, when Jesus died for us, he took our sins upon himself that we could be forgiven of our sins. And then again, committed unto us, verse 19, committed unto us the word of reconciliations. So our, our king has reconciled him, uh, us to him. But here's the deal. He wants, he wants others to be reconciled to him. He didn't just save us so that we could be saved. He saved us because he wants us to be saved, but we could help others come to know him. He wants to, he, you know, I, I don't know if we can possibly fathom what it means to God that he can have fellowship with us because our sins have been forgiven. That we can have a relationship with God. God wants to forgive sins. God wants to reconcile people to himself. God wants to have communion and fellowship with people. And sometimes when we're witnessing to people, you know, it's almost like, it feels sometimes like we're trying to catch someone that doesn't want to get caught. But the truth is God loves these people and wants to work in their life and wants to forgive them. 
And so that's what God wants to do. And we are His ambassadors. Look in verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. The word beseech means to entreat, to reach out to, to plead with. We are ambassadors, he says, as though God did beseech you by us. God is using us to reach out to people. God God wants to use us to reach out and to touch people in our circle of influence. As though God did beseech you by us. We Look at the language here. We pray you. It's a pleading word. Begging. We plead with you. In Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So here's, here's who we are. Whether you're a child, a teenager, an adult, if you're saved, we are ambassadors. And you know what our job is? We're representing, we're representing Christ in this world. We're not Jesus. We know that. But we're part of His family. And we have been deputized. We are His official ambassadors. And we're entreating people to come to Him. Right? That's what we're here to do. And our message is a message of reconciliation. Look what it says in the last part of verse 19. And hath committed unto us, has committed to us, believers, he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Our message is a message of reconciliation. It's good news. It's the gospel of peace. In Romans Chapter 10, that wonderful passage where he talks about this, he says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So it's important tonight that we recognize our calling, all of us. And it's not about our personality. It's not about our, how long we've been saved. It's about our position If we're in Christ, He's made us new creatures. He's reconciled us to God. And He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so we are are the means that God has chosen to represent Him. Now, think about this. I mean, God could have chosen angels. I mean, God spoke through animals in the Bible, right? God could have chosen any means. He could have spoken through the stars. He could have spoken through dogs. Horses, I don't think he could speak through a cat, but I think he could speak through most things. I'm talking about real animals. <laughs> Forgive me if you're a cat lover. God could have chosen any means. He could have spoken through the trees or the flowers. But what means has God chosen? He didn't choose to use angels. He chose to use you. And he chose to use me. We are the means. Now, I'm taking the time on this first lesson in this series to just really press, we're going to go further, but to press this point home. You're an ambassador. Now, you may be thinking, I don't feel like an ambassador. I don't feel equipped to be an ambassador. But in reality, whether we realize it or not, we are equipped. We may, we'll get more tools to use. But remember the woman... Remember the woman that was saved, the woman at the well? We think about this woman who Jesus changed her life and saved her. And, and uh, she went to town to tell everybody what it all... She didn't know anything. All she said is, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. She, I mean, you know what? She was effective. People began to came, come back. And she didn't know anything. She hadn't even heard as much as you've heard even tonight 
probably about this. So the point is, realize that this is a part of who we are. And if you're thinking, I just don't know that I could do that. I can't see myself doing it. Well, just see yourself as this. You're an ambassador for Christ. Now, does this mean, because it is good news, and it is the gospel of peace, but this mean that the message is always welcomed? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, I mean, when Jesus sent his sheep out, his, I mean, his, his preachers out, he said, and they were sheep, when he sent them out, he didn't say, everybody's going to love you. He didn't say, nobody will ever say anything bad about you. He didn't say that. What he said was, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. There'll be some, there'll be some un, you know, unpleasant experiences, perhaps. Now, I don't know any statistics on this, but I just heard this recently, and, and the person who said it um, is an expert on the subject. I'm sure he's probably close to telling the truth. He said it's only about 5% of people that you'll ever talk to, like 5 out of 100 that will ever give you a negative response. I don't know that that's true, but more, 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 that's a better response than you'd get as if you was a used car salesman. It's a lot better ex- response than you'd get if you was a door-to-door vacuum, vacuum cleaner salesman. <laughs> the point is, Jesus, Jesus didn't say that it would always be welcome, but here's the point. Please hear me. It's not about us. It's not about our feelings. It's not about our comfort. It's about our obedience to the command of Christ and following up on His choosing, His calling as ambassadors. And tonight I just want to talk briefly about a couple of things that keep us from consistently, faithfully fulfilling our responsibility. And I'm not going to spend much time, I just want to mention them. But I think all three of these are very relevant. And there are others, but tonight we're going to we're just going to spend on, on these three. Number one, here's, here's, here's one of the big interrupters of evangelism. And that's just the busyness of life. How busy we are. By the way, that's not a valid reason. It's not an excuse. You say, well, I've got this to run to, and I've got all these things going, and I've got that practice and this practice. Then we, if we don't have time to do what we've been commanded to do, then we need to change our schedule. So, but busyness has a way of interrupting this. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to get back to encouraging us to schedule a time. Say, this is what I'm going to do. And and right now, uh, several of us are meeting on Saturday mornings at 930. And uh, we meet, have a brief time of instruction and get some assignments and have prayer together. And we get out there. And uh, so schedule a time to do it. The busyness of life. And if that's you tonight, let's just say, okay, that's me. I get so busy. Sometimes we're so busy going from one place to another, we don't even feel like we can stop and talk to somebody. You know what I'm saying? So if that be the case, I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to do something about my schedule. The The second thing that sometimes hinders us, and I think this is even more common... And that's fears that are related to personal evangelism. Fears. And and let me just say this. Fears are common. They're common, right? Uh, even, Even Timothy. You remember Paul wrote to Timothy and says this. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of 
power and love and a sound mind. Timothy himself struggled with being timid. That's what that's talking about, timidity or fear. And even Paul wrote in, in 1 Corinthians 2, he's to the church at Corinth, the same church, but his first epistle, he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now here, think about this. Say with me. Sometimes people think, well, nobody else is afraid like I am to open my mouth. But everybody has some of that. All of us do. All of us do. And, and I don't care how many doors you've been to or how many people you've witnessed to. All of us have that tendency sometimes to question what's going to happen. You know, who's going to be there? What are they going to say? You know what I'm saying? So all of us deal with that. So fears are common. Let me tell you what fear is. Fear is an invitation to trust God. The verse of scriptures in Psalms where the psalmist says, what time I'm afraid, I'm going to turn and run. Is that what it says? No. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. If we're doing what God wants us to do, whether it's standing in front of a Sunday school class, whether it's singing a special, whether it's giving out a gospel tract, going to a door and evangelizing or sharing an invitation to someone, whatever it is, we can trust God because we're doing what God wants us to do. You know, Jesus taught in the Gospel of Matthew about the danger of fear. By the way, the psalmist says the fear of man is a snare. It's like a trap. But here's what Jesus said. Don't fear man who could, you know, take your physical life. Fear God who could cast both your body and soul into hell. In other words, fear fear God more than man. You know one of the, one of the greatest um, can I say antidotes for the fear of man is to fear God more. So you say, I'm a little bit afraid to go to the door, but God has told me to do this, and I respect and reverence God more than I do this emotional fear that I have to go to a door. All of us have fears. All of us do, but God can give us the victory. Uh, we're going to come back here to 2 Corinthians, but go to the left a little bit, if you would, to the, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And the, the disciples had been threatened. They had been threatened numerous times. As a matter of fact, verse of, of Acts 4.17 says... Uh, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. That they speak henceforth to no man in this name. What were they threatening them about? Because they were witnessing. Because they were preaching the gospel. Because they were trying to win people to the Lord. Let's threaten them. Verse 21 says, so when they had further threatened them. So this, was, this is real stuff. Here's a church, they're going into the community, they're preaching the gospel And they've been arrested and they're being threatened. And so what are they going to do about it? They met and they shared with the disciples and they had a prayer meeting. In verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And look at just this part of their prayer in verse 29. This was their prayer, part of their prayer. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. You see they're threatening us. You see what we're dealing with. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, 
they may speak thy word. We, when we're afraid, we ought to, we ought to just ask God for boldness. God help me. God, would you help me with this? So what keeps us from being consistently faithful? I'm, I may be wrong about this, but when most everyone in this room or everyone in our church, I think, who's genuinely converted knows they should witness and believes we ought to go into the community and tell other people about the Lord. So when we announce visitation time, why don't we come? Well, maybe we had something previously scheduled, we can't change it. Maybe, though, we're just so busy, we don't feel like we could spare the time. We just can't do that. Or maybe we think, oh man, I'm just afraid if I go, somebody may, you know, throw a frying pan at me, I don't know. But, but we, ought, we shouldn't let those things stop us. We, we ought to be willing to do what God wants us to do and ask Him for boldness and schedule the time. And I'm going to give you a third reason. A third thing that keeps us from consistently, faithfully exercising our privilege and responsibility. And the third thing is, sometimes it's because we need personal revival or personal renewal. We just get lukewarm spiritually. You know, if, if we were to have a little quiz tonight and have multiple choice answers, and here's the question. What do you think is one of the greatest concerns God has for people in this earth? And most of us would say God wants people to be saved. And that's why God sent His Son, right? To die for sinners. It's a a priority to God, but sometimes the things that concern God don't concern us. And and sometimes it's because spiritually we're just not where we should be. We become lukewarm. Sort of indifferent. And and really we need to ask God just renew our burden, renew our vision. God wants us to be consistent with this. So let's work on these three things. The busyness of life, we can fix that. The fears related to evangelism, we can fix that. The need to just draw closer to God, we can fix that. I, I can't remember, I think it was this morning I was reading in Isaiah chapter 6. Where Isaiah saw, the, in the day that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. And he goes on to say this. And I, he saw himself as a sinner. And he saw, he saw himself as a man of unclean lips. I dwell in this, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in a, among a people of unclean. You know what happened? When he got closer to God, he saw things differently. And then he said this. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom will I send and who will go for us? And he said, here my Lord, send me. You know what changed? His perspective because of his relationship to God. He saw himself, he got some things right, he saw what was wrong, and then he, he heard God saying, whom can I send? So let we, this, this, this is something I think is, it may be a little uncomfortable, but it's very practical we need to ask ourselves, why aren't we 
as evangelistically minded as we ought to be. And these three three things here could be things that we could work on. Now, let let me get really practical now for just a couple of minutes about when we go to a door, what are we hoping to accomplish? And I, wanna, I just want to go through a list of things that we hope to accomplish. And, the, and I'm going to go to them in reverse order. The thing we would like more than anything to see happen, and then we'll go from there, okay? The thing we would like more than anything, we'd like to see people saved. I mean, that's what we'd like to see. We'd like to see people under, hear the gospel, understand the gospel, and want to be saved. And that'd be wonderful, Amen. But what if they don't get saved? What if they don't get saved? What if, what if they, they don't receive the gospel? Or maybe we don't get as far as sharing the gospel. Is our time and effort in vain? Is it in vain? And I say, no, it's not in vain at all. So number one, we want to see people get saved. But second of all, if they don't get saved, we at least want them to hear the gospel. We want them to hear the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So what is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. And the the literature that we take out to go to people um, door to door has the gospel in it. I've got all kinds of stuff in here. And this is a rather lengthy presentation of the gospel, and, uh, but that's a lot of gospel, but it's a, good, it's a good track. But even this little card that we give out a lot of times, it's got the gospel on it as well. Jesus is God, He loves you, He died and rose again to pay for your sins, He desires to save you and be a part of your life, I and mean, that's the gospel. So if, we don't, if they don't get saved, we at least want them to hear the gospel. But now say with me. What if we don't have the opportunity to share the gospel? Now, I'm going to, for those of you who go out frequently, you're going to relate to this. For those of you who may not, you may find this surprising. But more times than not, in a cold turkey visit at the door, you're not even going to get a chance to go all the way through the gospel. So what if you don't even get through the gospel? Is, is it in vain? I mean, why do we go? Number one, they didn't get saved, but they didn't even hear the gospel. Let me give you a third thing we hope to accomplish at the door. We want to plant a seed. We want to plant a seed. The the good seed, the good seed in the parable of the sower is the word of God. So we want to plant a good seed. We want to plant a good seed of the gospel. We want to plant a seed of positive influence, a positive testimony, a positive experience. And a seed of a church invitation even. You just never know how God might use that. Maybe they're looking for a church. Maybe they've been thinking about coming to a church. Um, last week, uh, Brother Jedediah and I were, went to a door because there was a family who had visited church here a month, couple of months ago at least. And they told me where they lived. And um, for some, some miraculous reason, I remembered what they told me. And uh, so we're going to go make a follow-up visit. And they told me where they lived, where it was on the road. And I would have forgotten it, but it was at the end of the road. So, I mean, how many houses can be at the end of the road, right? 
So we went to the house at the end of the road, and there was a guy out in the yard, and he was uh, fixing to get in his truck and leave. It was obvious. It was a work truck. He's fixing his truck. He's fixing to leave. So we just bailed out and went up there and told him who we were looking for. We described the family we were looking for. And he said, they don't live here. I don't think they live on this road. Da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, um, told him where we're from and explained where the church is because it was, it was really close to here. And he knew exactly where the church is. And, I, and, he, and he was very, very courteous. And we were likewise friendly and courteous and upbeat. And he says, well, I really need to go. I'm, I'm, in, I'm running behind. I've got to get to this place, whatever he said. And I said, well, let me just leave something with you quickly. And he, re- and he reached out to take it, which is a good, so far so good. And, and I said, just, just so you'll see, uh, right here on the back is a schedule of our services. We'd love to have you anytime you want to come. You'd always be welcome at our church. And right next to it is a brief description of the gospel, how Christ died for us, that we could be forgiven of our sins, how we can know we go to heaven. Read that sometime if you get a chance. And he was friendly and sent us on our way. And the point is, what if we want them to get saved, right? But what if they don't get saved? We want to go through the gospel with them. But what if we don't even get through the gospel with them? We want them to plant a seed. And you never know how next week, next month, next year, sometime, they may say, you know, I think I'm going to go visit that church. And I've got some needs I want to talk to them about. So we want to plant a seed. But what if we don't even get as far as giving them the, the piece of the literature? What if they don't even take it or we don't get that far or something happens? We want to leave them a positive testimony and invitation and witness from our church. And we do that by the way we do what we do. By our attitude, by the way we respond to them, by our genuine concern. You know, people may not want what we have initially. They may not fully embrace it. But we want to give them an invitation to our church. And we want them to have the opportunity. We want them to have the opportunity. Even if they don't take anything, please hear me. This is not just filler. This is important. We want to give everyone an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Because that's what we've been called to do. That's our responsibility. We are being, if nobody, if you go out Saturday morning and you don't get to talk to anybody and maybe you just leave a bunch of these things on the door or maybe you talk to somebody and they don't seem interested or they're in a hurry to go to soccer practice or, or they've got a family reunion or they're, they're, they don't like too many hypocrites in the church. I mean, no matter what happens, let me tell you the good thing is you did what you were supposed to do. You've been obedient to God, right? You know, every time you pray, pray every prayer you pray may not res- result in instant answers or it may not result in any answers that you know about, but you did what you were supposed to do. You cannot fail if we go and obey. You cannot fail. The only way we fail is if we fail to go. So why do we, what do we hope to accomplish? We want to see them saved, but if they don't get saved, we want them to hear the gospel. If they don't hear the gospel, we want to plant a seed. If we don't get to plant a seed, we at least want to have a positive experience and a witness and a testimony. Give them an invitation to church. Amen. Now, 
We all know this. But, but for the most part, by and large, most of the people in this community or in any community are not standing in line to try to get, get to the church house. Right? They're not doing that. But you know what? They, they were never even told to do that. We shouldn't expect them to do that. I never did that. When I was a lost person, I never did that. I never went around churches, visiting churches, and saying, I, I want to come in and see what kind of music you got, what kind of Bible you use. I never, did, I never went to the church house, ever. You know why? Because that's what lost people generally do. But Jesus commanded us to go where they are. And as I said the other day, we do that in our, just like I was at the hospital, and just like Brother Bodge was uh, just at his, at his house, and the van door opens, and his Bible is there. And you know what I'm saying? We do this at, at work, you witness to people. But we're not going to get everybody like that. Because there's people up and down these roads that aren't going to have that experience. So we want to set aside a time to go door by door and witness to people and share the gospel with them and give them the message. And um, like I say, there are rare, there's rare exceptions. We were down, last May, we were downstairs in the office, and they came to my office and said, there's somebody here who wants to talk to you. And it was somebody that's having marital problems, and, and he said, I was just driving by, and, I, and I, it came into my mind, you ought to go in there and see if somebody could help you. Now, that happens sometimes, but we, we don't expect everybody to do that, right? It's not going to happen. Our responsibility is to take it out to them. So I just want to encourage you tonight to, to as I began with this, I'm going to end with this, encourage, to, to take ownership of the fact that you are an ambassador. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are a messenger. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We belong to another kingdom. But we're here representing our king and representing his kingdom. And we're going to talk more in lessons ahead about how we can do that. But tonight, let's just say, I want to be a good ambassador. I want to be a good representative.